Humane Nature is an animal tourism podcast with discussions about animal abuse, injury, and medicine. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, travelers, to another episode of Humane Nature. I'm Stacia, your host. And uh, today I thought we would take a break from some of that um, bummer of episodes like we did last week with the um, elephant riding in Chiang Mai. And today I was going to bring you a bum 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 destination highlight. I don't have an intro song for that, but that is going to be um, a common thing that we have on this podcast are uh positive destination highlights um, that you can put on your bucket list, your travel list, whatever. Um, But before we get into that, here are some uh, wildlife news uh, from the last couple of weeks. Researchers in the U.S. are pushing for a national program to help people coexist with predators such as gray wolves, brown bears, and mountain lions. So especially in some of the rural parts of America, um, these are pretty big issues, um, especially, you know, with farmers and people who live out in rural areas. Gray wolves, bears, mountain lions, things like this um, often come near their land. They come near their, their, you know, livestock and everything. And the first reaction typically is to shoot them. Um, And and lots of large predators in the U.S. are dying um, because they are straying too close to people. And um, that is having an impact on their conservation and um, trickling down to things such as uh, their prey animals overrun um, in different areas because there aren't as many predators as there should be. So this national program would provide non-lethal deterrents to help both the farmers and predators. Um, So this would help them coexist and help kind of push these predators away in non-lethal ways um, from these farms. Uh, the superb fair wren was crowned Australia's favorite bird in their annual favorite bird contest. I love this. I didn't know that this was a thing. Um, apparently, every year in Australia, they have a poll and uh, the country votes on their favorite national or not national, but favorite native bird. And this year, the superb fair wren won. Um, and sadder news Drought, rising temperatures, and poor farming practices are causing turkeys lakes to dry up, leading to massive deaths in the country's bird population. So in the last 50 years, 60% of their natural lakes have dried up, and migratory birds are the most affected. Um, in July of 2021 alone, three to 5,000 young flamingos died of starvation due to a lack of food um, because they're with less water, there are less fish and less, you know, smaller animals for them to eat. Um, and due to the lack of food, birds are starting to attack each and eat each other as well. So it's kind of a double whammy with them. And my favorite bit of news, the uh, beefy brown bear or 480 480 Otis wins Alaska's Fat Bear Week. So this week happens every year um, in the uh, Katmai National Park in Alaska where people vote on their favorite bears um, as they start... um, fattening up for hibernation um, throughout the winter. So Beefy Brown Bear has won three times and is a favorite amongst voters um, because he is one of the oldest bears in the park. He's missing teeth. He's, uh, you know, got some some other issues for being an old man. 
Um, but he won due to his massive weight gain um, and coming back as the underdog, not because he was the heaviest. So if you go and look at uh, pictures, you just have to Google, you know, Alaska's Fat Bear Week or Beefy Brown Bear. You will see before and after pictures, and it's pretty crazy. It's um, He started out as this teeny tiny little skinny guy. Um, he's obviously a little elderly, and he, you know... Got a slow start um, for whatever reason. He was not down um, on the water's edge, you know, feeding like these other bears were um, as as soon as they were. So uh, he came from behind and he gained a massive amount of weight and has won for the fourth time in a row. That's beefy brown bear, our favorite chunky bear, I can't lie. So today's destination highlight, we will be talking about the Elephant Nature Park, which is an ethical elephant tourism destination and elephant park in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So if you have not listened to um, my episode, my last episode, where we talked about why we shouldn't be riding elephants, I gave you the three biggest reasons why we shouldn't be riding elephants and why we should be visiting parks that are rescuing um, tourism elephants and not doing, you know, these different traditional tourism um, activities. Uh, check that out. But if you have listened, welcome back. Uh, today we're going to be talking about um, the Elephant Nature Park, which I have visited. Um, it is located 60 kilometers or about 37 miles outside of Chiang Mai, which is about an hour's car ride. Um it was opened in 1998 by Sangduen Lek Chilert, which who who still runs the park, and Adam Finn. Her nickname is Lek, um, and that's what she's most well known by. And Lek is Thai for small because she is such an itty bitty woman. I've met her; she's absolutely incredible. Um, I love her so much. Um, and when this park first opened. It opened with 34 rescued elephants. Um, so let's back up a little bit. Um, in the late 1990s, Thailand began working to promote ecotourism in Chiang Mai. You know, as the internet started becoming more popular and people started traveling the world more, ecotourism in Chiang Mai really took off. So Thailand was really trying to promote that. And ecotourism is Chiang Mai's largest source of income. It brought in 350 million US dollars in 1997 alone. So you can only imagine how much money they're bringing in every year today. However, this was controversial to indigenous peoples. Um, they, you know, didn't want Western tourists to come in. They, you know, were scared of losing their land, their way of life, um, things like that. So, Originally, um, the Elephant Nature Park did have elephant riding and shows. Um, at the time, it wasn't really seen con as you know controversial or unethical. However, Lek did end um, these the riding and the shows at the uh, at ENP um, in two thousand five, and that is what I'm going to call Elephant Nature Park throughout the rest of this. Is ENP? It's just a little easier to say. So I'm going to give the highlights of their mission statement, which I think really gives, you know, a, a closer look at what this park is about. So the first point is um, about a sanctuary for endangered species. So in addition to elephants, um, they also house dogs, cats, water buffalo, and other rescued species. So when I was there in, I believe it was 2017, January of 2017, I saw lots of water buffalo, um, but I also was able to um, interact with and, and treat because I was there for a veterinary internship. So I was interacting directly with these animals for, um, you know, medicinal purposes. I also treated goats and sheep and miniature horses. And they've just got a whole lot of animals there, huge area of land. Um, so it's pretty cool. Um, obviously, elephants are the biggest draw, but you will see lots of other animals while you're there. Their second vow is um, rainforest re uh, restoration in the surrounding areas. So I couldn't find the number of acres that they've 
planted currently, but they vowed originally in um, 19, when they opened in 1998, to plant 25 acres a year for the first five years and they did do that I could not find the numbers of how many total so I'm not sure if they've continued the 25 acres a year after the first five years or if they did more or if they did less but you know that's still 125 acres that they planted within the first five years which is awesome Um, and this park is kind of in the middle of nowhere it's completely surrounded by mountains and rainforest and it's absolutely beautiful so they're doing good work with that they also vowed to continue cultural preservation and with the villages around so they wanted to maintain the cultural integrity of the surrounding areas by employing locals and purchasing agricultural products locally only so when you visit and if you visit the website Only Thai natives um, or people with a valid Thai passport can work at ENP. So all of the um, mahouts that are employed, all of the veterinarians and, um, you know, office workers, tour guides, things like that, they're all Thai natives. They're all from Thailand. So I think that's pretty cool. They are also employing a lot of the you know, locals from the smaller villages directly around them and purchasing. You can imagine how much food that they have to have, all the vegetables and grasses and hay to feed all of these elephants and buffalo and everything. Um, They are purchasing those from local farmers only, not from um, larger corporations. They also really want to emphasize visitor education where they emphasize the plight of local endangered species and they want to educate all guests. So when you do visit, if you are visiting from Chiang Mai, you will go to their office in the city and take a kind of van over to the park. It's a really, really nice van. It's got like, from what I remember, it had like party lights and stuff in it when you first got in, which I found really funny. It was a very comfortable ride. But you do watch a video on your way over that talks about why we don't ride elephants and what's happened to them over the course of, you know, the last 50 to 100 years. And, uh, educating guests on why they do what they do. And finally, they vowed to act independently, and that is um, acting independently of pressure groups and political movements that they consider contrary to the well-being of the park and creatures in its care. So in the past, they have ignored laws and, you know, bills passed by the government that they felt was detrimental to the well-being of the elephants or the mahouts um, and the natives that worked there. So ENP has gotten in trouble with the Thai government before, but for simply, you know, protecting the animals in their care. So since the park has opened, the one outside of Chiang Mai, they have also opened uh, multiple other elephant parks, elephant rescues throughout Thailand and Southeast Asia. So the first one that they opened was the Arawan Elephant Retirement Park in Western Thailand in 2013. And this was specifically for elderly and extremely sick elephants. Um, It's kind of like a hospice area where they, uh, you know, elephants that couldn't really walk around or keep up with other elephants in the park or needed extreme you know, specialized care, they went to this retirement park. And as you can imagine, a lot of those elephants passed away fairly quickly after arriving there just simply because of their age or the state that they were in. So that one is not necessarily open to the public. That is to give these elderly elephants and very sick elephants a um, you know, very calm and final place um, to, to live before they pass on. ENP also has branches in Cambodia, Siren, and Phuket um, in Thailand. They have um, rescued over 200 distressed elephants as of 2016. Um, I could not find a number for 2021, but you can imagine how much higher that is. Um, It didn't seem that they've updated their website in a little while. But these 200 elephants do not include um, babies that were born in the park. So these elephants are allowed to free roam and some arrived pregnant, some were 
able to breed freely while they were there. So there have been some babies born in the park for different reasons. There have also been over 400 dogs, cats, birds, and water buffalo rescued. And they also have, you know, many horses, goats, sheep, different farm animals, things like that, that they've rescued as well from, from neglectful and abusive situations. So something I do want to touch on briefly, Elephant Aid International in 2011 did note a larger than average percentage of elephants with foot disease um, at ENP, mahouts that only spoke Burmese, um, which is kind of what they speak in, in northern Thailand, um, and mahouts continued use of force with elephants uh, despite not using bullhooks and an overall low morale of their employees. So they wrote a letter to ENP um, addressing the things that they found and, and how they can fix that, and you can find this online. I will also link it in the description. This was the only real controversy that I found while researching the park after visiting, and this happened you know, 10 years ago. But the foot disease can be explained by the type of elephants that they rescue. So they do rescue elephants that have experienced severe abuse, that are extremely ill, that have experienced pretty severe injuries. And, you know, because of this, elephants can't walk as they normally would. And, you know, their toenails get overgrown. Um, they could have foot disease from these injuries. So there is, um, I'm not too worried about these findings just simply because of the type of elephants that this park rescues and they did note that the ones that have the most like overgrown toenails and the worst um, looking feet are the ones that were very elderly or already sick so that can kind of be explained away not really excusing it they should be taking um, better care of those feet and from uh, what I saw when I visited in 2017 um, I didn't see any issues um, so I believe that they have addressed this since 2011 and I have not found any controversy or these letters from Elephant Aid International since 2011. The low morale with the mahouts and the fact that they only speak Burmese is simply because they are locals that live in the um, villages nearby. So um, the villages mostly speak Burmese. Elephant Aid International wanted more employees and tour guides to be able to speak Thai as well as English in order to educate and interact with guests better and, and be able to you know, speak with and interact with animal behaviorists that came in to work with the elephants or the veterinarians who are working with the elephants. So I do get their point, but, you know, it would be, you know, trying to force a whole group of people to, to learn how to speak, not one, only one, but two new languages. So I do understand why most of the Mahouts only spoke Burmese rather than Thai or English. And their low morale, they are bonded to these elephants and they need to be there every single day for the elephant's care. Um, so it's, you know, just kind of part of the job. Um, and zookeepers in the U.S. that are bonded to elephants face the same thing. Um, veterinarians do as well, where if they take a break, if they take a vacation or a weekend, these elephants are going to suffer. Their caregiver is gone. The person that they're attached to most is gone. So that causes a lot of emotional burnout. Um, and I can say, um, not that I've ever been a mahout myself, um, but I've worked in the veterinary field where, you know, feeling like I'm taking a day off or taking a vacation is going to directly cause harm to animals that I'm treating, especially for long-term patients in the ICU that I've been caring for every day. I do understand that too degree. So that is something to, to keep in mind. So there was also um, some, some controversy to allowing guests to directly interact with the elephants. So when I visited in 2017, guests were allowed to bathe with the elephants where the elephants would go in the kind of shallow river and we would help them bathe by tossing buckets of water on them and we would hand feed them and, and you know, get to directly interact with them. And you know, there was some controversy to that. They've done more studies that say, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. And at the time, we didn't, you know, know as well as we do now. Um, so now guests are no longer allowed to bathe with the elephants as of 2018. So I was, you know, the last year of people who was able to do that. But I do understand um, now that I've read more of the studies, um, that is not something that they should have been offering or something that I should have done. So 
even I make mistakes. <laughs> and there's constantly new information coming out about stuff like that. So um, elephants are allowed to, you know, bathe themselves um, if they do need help. Their mahouts and veterinarians will help them. But um, guests are no longer allowed to bathe with the elephants or swim with the elephants. And we they do still hand feed them, but elephants are not forced to come up. So, you know, guests will be able to feed, you know, some vegetables and, and things like that from the observation deck while they're getting, you know, talks from the veterinarians and from the tour guides about them where they can hand feed. But unlike a lot of other places, the elephants do not have to go there if they don't want to. And and they're not going to miss out on a meal if they don't go. So there's that, which I don't really have an issue with as long as, you know, everybody's respecting the elephants, following the rules, washing their hands thoroughly before and after. I don't have an issue with that when it's the elephant's choice to do so. So uh, you can visit the park as a single day, so just a day trip from Chiang Mai up to multiple weeks volunteering. So they have, they now have multiple programs um, where you not only go to ENP, but you also can go to different local villages in their um, highlands and settle off programs in different villages, helping elephants and educating people and helping, you know, um, elephants in these villages that aren't necessarily being treated terribly to the point where ENP wants to step in and try to rescue them, but trying to educate and help elephants and treat elephants that are, you know, kind of on that edge, you know, they could definitely be treated um, better, but they're not um, so bad that they need to be rescued. They also have parks in other cities in Thailand and in Cambodia. So that is something to look into. If you are a veterinarian, a veterinary student in vet school or a pre-veterinary student, um, you have access to special programs as well um, or, or a veterinary technician. So um, if you are in school or a graduated veterinarian or a vet student, ENP has special programs themselves. If you are a pre-vet student, a veterinary technician or a college, another college student studying something else like uh, marine biology, zoology, um, you know, biology, different things like that. You can also visit ENP and get, you know, special access to these other programs and to work more directly with the elephants with Loop Abroad, which is how I visited um, for the first time in, in 2017. And I will talk about Loop Abroad um, a little in a little bit, but we will take a break and then I will discuss my personal experience at the park and tell you a little bit more about Loop Abroad um, and I will see you in a couple minutes. When you travel, you should be protected, especially if you enjoy adventurous activities or wildlife tourism. That's where travel insurance comes in. I personally use World Nomads because their coverage makes the most sense for me. They cover injuries or illnesses, lost luggage, canceled flights, and even damaged electronics. Protect yourself and your trip with World Nomads Travel Insurance. Check if their coverage is right for you using the link in the description. If you're a frequent traveler, you need a travel credit card that works for you. I love my Chase Sapphire Preferred card because I earn miles by making my everyday purchases in two to five times the miles on travel purchases. I can book flights for a discount directly through the Chase app using the miles I have earned, allowing me to fly for free. Earn 50,000 miles when you sign up through the link in the description, and even more bonus miles after spending $4,000 in the first three months of your card. That's over $2,000 worth of travel miles. Where will you fly for free with your miles? Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, we were just talking about the Elephant Nature Park right outside of Chiang Mai, Thailand. And I was giving you kind of a background of um, the park, but I wanted to talk about my personal experience at the park. Um, so I will never do a destination highlight unless it is somewhere that I have personally visited and saw with my own eyes, did my research on it, and felt that it was a place um, ethical enough for me to share with you guys. So 
I visited for a week in January 2017 with Loop Abroad and I cared for elephants. So I was doing um, a special program with Loop Abroad. So not necessarily the volunteer program that ENP offers, but I cared for elephants by preparing food, cleaning the grounds, um, helping to bathe them, um, which is no longer allowed. Um, I also helped to medicate those who needed medicine, and I did a behavioral study on one of the elephants to help observe them. I also worked with the dogs, cats, horses, and water buffalo while I was there. So Luke Abroad is a really cool study abroad program. They started in Thailand, but they have exploded. They are all over the world now. Um, I highly encourage you to look them up if you are, especially if you are a college student um, and you are studying veterinary medicine or, you know, zoology, zoo management, animal nutrition, animal behavior, any of those great stuff, those great things. So I was studying biopsychology to give you kind of an example uh, with an emphasis in animal behavior. And at the time I was planning to go to veterinary school. So I was on a pre-veterinary track at, at my school. Regular volunteers, if you just go to EMP to be a volunteer, you do most of these things as well. You help farm transfer food, you help prepare food, you help clean the ground. So we did work with the regular volunteers as well. So there's not a huge difference. Uh, Basically, if you're with Loop or if you're doing the veterinary program there, um, you will also be doing some, you know, veterinary work. You're going to be treating different things. You're going to be medicating elephants and other animals that need it. And one of the things that we also did, which was really, you know, kind of opened my eyes to, to what these elephants had gone through, is treating their their wounds that they sustained before they came to ENP. So some of them, I mean, they really ranged. Some of them had like abscesses on their bodies or in their cheeks and things from the elephant riding or circuses. Some of them had been blinded um, and needed some extra help and they were blinded by Uh, camera flashes and circus lights and others you know had missing feet they had their feet um, and legs were just completely destroyed um, from stepping on landmines left over from the war with Myanmar or what used to be called Burma and doing the illegal logging so I did treat some elephants that had feet and legs that were completely just destroyed by, by landmines. And that was pretty, that was pretty gnarly. And if you remember from my last episode, you know that um, because an elephant is so big, their metabolism is extremely slow, which makes these injuries, which make these injuries extremely slow to heal. So even though some of these elephants had been at ENP for a few years, um, like months to years at that point, their wounds were still healing because of their slow metabolism. So that is, you know, the, the way it is at that park um, because of the types of elephants that they rescued. So um, I also did a behavioral study on um, Maybun Ma, which was one of the elderly elephants there. Unfortunately, she did pass away in June 2017. And I did this study on her in January of 2017. So I got to, you know, hang out with her and observe her towards the end of her life. So she was in her um, upper 70s. Um, her small herd, like her, you know, her girl BFFs, <laughs> her little herd that she hung out with and was very, very emotionally close to, were also elderly and had other physical ailments. So one of them was completed completely blind. She was one of the local favorites. Her name was Lucky and she was blinded by circus lights. And my favorite thing about Lucky while I was working there is uh, she would frequently kind of wander away from her food sources. So for these elderly elephants, they would, you know, bring the food to them so they didn't have to walk as far because they were hurting. And um, as they, you know, as they, they should be treated like queens, you know, that late in life after everything that they'd went through. So Lucky would frequently kind of just like wander away and not know where she was and her mahout would have to run after her and like lead her back or her two other friends, um, Maybun Ma, who I did my study on, 
and the other elephant that was in their group would kind of trumpet or growl at her and she would be like oh there are my friends and turn around and come back but my favorite thing that she would do is she would take branches of like you know bamboo or hay or grasses or whatever she was eating at the time and she would pick them up with her trunk and put them on her back or on her head so that she wouldn't lose them and she would just walk around with her food on top of her so you know she always knew where her food was and I thought that was absolutely adorable and genius of her like yeah you go lucky um but Maybun Ma was a sweetheart she would uh, frequently come up to me and say hi she was extremely curious she would um kind of greet me by touching me with her trunk and I did have to chase after her a few times because we were trying to um do urinalyses on them and um the way that we would do a urinalysis or or you know testing the urine of animals in a vet clinic is usually by you know taking a dog out to potty and then when they squat to pee we kind of catch it in a little container um to test it but you can imagine how difficult and potentially dangerous that could be with an elephant so when these elephants would start to pee we would run after them with a uh, water bottle taped like a plastic water bottle taped to a like 12 foot long piece of bamboo and try to catch it like underneath them without having to get too close to and and potentially scare them so yeah I was running around and chasing after these elephants with a uh, 12 foot long water bottle stick um, to try to catch their (laughs) beat but I eventually did it and tested their urine and they were all healthy and uh, she was she was very sweet and then the third elephant in their group I don't remember off the top of my head what her name was um but she couldn't walk very well and was very elderly she was in the logging industry and her legs had been um crushed when she was younger by falling logs so she um just kind of hung out with her her old best friends and didn't walk around a whole lot and that was fine she was living her best life so with loop i also cared for dogs and cats the dogs are adoptable from all around the world. So if you want a little Thai dog, uh, head over to the Elephant Nature Park and you can um, check out their dogs. Or if you visit, you could potentially um, adopt one or be a volunteer to fly with these dogs back to their forever homes. So let's talk about the other stuff about staying there, you know, the housing, the food, you know, all that good stuff. So I am a backpacker, so I frequently stay in hostels. Some of them are much nicer than others, as I'm sure you know if you have backpacked as well, especially in Southeast Asia. Um, The rooms that I stayed in were similar to hostel dorms, where there were three to four beds in each room, and it was basically just a big square room um, with beds, nothing fancy. They do have like private rooms or double rooms um, but I didn't see them when I was there and um, these buildings are open air because there is no air conditioning so and there's no power in the rooms either so it's it's literally just kind of a a kind of concrete or wooden room um, and the walls go almost all the way up to the ceiling and then there's you know, slated uh, and slanted roofs overhead so that, you you know, you're not going to get wet if it rains or anything like that. But it is open air at the very top to let in a breeze because, you know, being in Thailand, it can get very hot. But I was there in January and it wasn't too bad. However, <laughs> uh, because it was very open at the top and animals are around are allowed to roam freely, I would often wake up with a cat in my bed. Um, or two, you know, they would, uh, in January, it gets pretty cold at night in, in Thailand. So I would wake up and there would be a cat or two like curled up in my bed with me, um, trying to stay warm. And I absolutely adored that. That was one of my, one of my favorite parts about ENP, um, is waking up to these, uh, very friendly cats just in my bed. Um, but if that's not your thing, you know, may I I don't really know what to tell you. Um if you're not a huge animal lover, you you know, this probably isn't the place for you. But uh if you you know have like cat allergies or something, I would definitely keep that in mind and take some, you know, Benadryl or other allergy medications with you just in case. 
There is Wi-Fi, um, but only on the big observation deck that's in the center of the park. So the Wi-Fi was pretty decent throughout the day, especially when we had like free time. However, it would get really spotty when people from like the day trip would come in because then it would just be like so many people trying to use the Wi-Fi that it would get a little slow. But I was really impressed with the Wi-Fi that they had there. I didn't expect any at all. And the food was absolutely delicious. They made like a buffet style vegetarian Thai food every day um, with some Western food kind of mixed in. Um, They call it Western food because it's not really Thai food, but it's not really the Western food that you are used to in America or Australia or Britain or wherever you're listening from. Just because it's, you know, Thai locals and Thai natives making it. So you know, they don't really know what Kraft Mac and Cheese is. (laughs) So don't expect anything like that. But the food was really delicious. If you are a big meat eater, or if you're someone who needs lots of protein, or if you're anemic and need like extra iron, be sure to bring some snacks with you. I had to bring some, you know, like tuna and and some fish and things like that just to keep my protein levels up. Um, So that is something to keep in mind as well. Um, There is a little shop, like a convenience store nearby in the nearby town but you don't always have time to go there so uh, bring some non-perishable snacks with you if you are a picky eater or if you have some if you are someone with some special dietary needs the views of the landscape and the elephants just kind of you know doing their thing and wandering the grounds and and doing whatever they want is just absolutely stunning like I could not take enough pictures while I was there I mean you can see a lot of those pictures over on my Instagram I mean on my blog but yeah it absolutely stunning so even if you can only afford the time or the money to do a day trip I highly highly recommend it even just to see the elephants up close and to see the views there because they're beautiful I bonded with some of the other, you know, volunteers from all over the world. I met people from all over and some of the uh, Thai workers, um, even though they didn't speak great English, uh, we started playing Disney music while we were working. And the day I was working in the kitchen, um, making uh, some food for the elderly animals, uh, we had to make like these big, uh, you know, soft food balls for the um, elephants that maybe didn't have teeth or had some mouth injuries and things like that. So we started playing uh, Disney music on our phones and we all knew this, we all knew the words and we were all singing and it was awesome. So I do want to tell my favorite story from working there. While I was working in the kitchen and making these elephant or the elephant balls, these <laughs> these um, food balls for the elderly animals. So these were kind of a mix of like rice and softer vegetables and fruits and things kind of all mashed up into a ball um, that had all the nutrients that they needed, but were really easy to chew and digest for the um, elderly or sick elephants that were there. I the kitchen is kind of is outside um but is surrounded by like wooden posts that are close enough together that the elephants can't walk through it and then you know their mahouts keep them from like trying to climb over it or anything like that but while i was working i felt a tap on my shoulder and i you know turned over it was like maybe i you know thinking it was um one of the veterinarians or a, another volunteer and there's just a an elephant trunk right in my face, like two inches from my face. And, and I look up and an elephant is reaching through these um, stakes with its trunk, asking me for a bite to eat. It was, it tapped me on the shoulder and is begging me for food like a, like a dog would. And it was the most adorable, most like amazing experience I've ever had. So I got permission from the workers to hand it a couple of the smaller um food balls and it it you could just see the joy in its eyes and it took its little treats and kind of trotted away so that was very 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 cute my husband loves to tell the story about how he was still in the states and i was in thailand so it's a full 12 hour time difference so if it was 7 a.m for me there it was 7 p for him here and vice versa so he likes to talk about how he woke up one morning to a text from me that said you want to know how to take an elephant's temperature very carefully (laughs) 
Um, so I, I was doing some veterinary work and stuff, which it was a lot of fun. Okay, so around ENP, there are also um, some small villages and a couple of small schools. And we were able to visit um, one of the schools. It was like a little grade school for an event that they were hosting. Just, I think, just trying to raise money for the school from the tourists that were that were coming. And that was a lot of fun. A lot of them wanted to come up and practice their English. They were all learning English. And it was a kind of an eye-opening experience because when we think about school, you know, um, at least in the U.S., I don't want to, you know, talk about any other countries, but I assume all the, like, you know, Western countries are pretty similar. You learn about, you know, like, you take... English, maybe a foreign language, math, science, things like that. But um, a lot of their classes were centered around the jobs that they were expected to have um, once they were adults to help their families. So a lot of the women are, I don't even want to say women, the little girls, they were like eight to like 13 years old, um, were learning Thai massage. They were learning like how to give manis and petties. Um, they were learning how to cook. In addition to learning English and some of the other major languages that they um, spoke in Thailand. So it was a little weird, um, but we were encouraged to um, help them practice. And um, even if they weren't particularly good, to, you know, praise them and hang out with them and speak English with them. Um, I felt too weird to do the Thai massage from this little eight-year-old, uh, but I did keep coming back for this I don't even know the name of it but they were making the this like iced chocolate drink and, and selling as like a kind of bakery bake stand food dra- whatever you want to call it um but it was delicious and I kept coming back for that and the uh, little kids that were running it were making fun of me and I was like yeah it's so good I can't help it so that was interesting that was a lot of fun so the f- the <laughs> The final point, if you are kind of a luxury traveler, ENP may not be the best place for you, specifically because of the bathrooms. So I kept the the worst for last. The bathrooms are all communal and the showers were always either ice cold or boiling hot. And I'm one of those girls who takes like crazy steaming hot showers. These were too hot for me. They were like painful to stand under my skin would immediately turn like bright red so their water pressure and their water temperature isn't always predictable Uh, so while I was there I didn't shower a whole lot it was just really difficult and a lot of the times their water would just go out you know you would turn the faucet and nothing would come out so um, I do encourage you to bring things like baby wipes um, and take like baby wipe baths while you're there which is something that I did learn how to braid your hair if your hair is long enough for that um, to keep it out of the way and keep it as clean as possible and dry shampoo is your best friend we would also take bucket baths or bucket showers when we really needed to Uh, so there was a giant bucket like huge 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 bucket underneath the shower faucet so the shower was kind of like one of those beach showers where if you turned the handle one way it would spout out the bottom and then into this bucket where normally it would be like a foot bath if you turned it the other way it would come out of an actual shower head and so this massive bucket would be sitting under there and it would always be full. They would always keep it full in case their water would go out. And in this massive bucket are these little like plastic kind of beach buckets. And you just, you know, scooped water out of the big bucket to pour on yourself and give yourself a little bucket shower. And I did that a few times. Um, and usually that water is icy cold. So that is something to keep in mind if you wanted to come um, and volunteer for any um, extended period of time. But I all uh, this was also in 2017, so this may have improved since then, um, but I can't promise anything. Um, but I also saved the best for last because multiple days a week, adult, not the children, but adult Thai masseurs would come and station themselves on this like beautiful overlook um, over the grounds. And you could get like a full Thai massage for like five US dollars, I think. Um, is what it was like five or ten dollars and after working all day your muscles are very sore after doing all the work and um, the volunteer work so it was absolutely wonderful 
by far like one of my favorite things that the park offered. If you are planning on staying for an extended period of time, they do um, laundry as well. It does cost money, um, but they will fully wash and dry your clothes for you. So that is also something to consider, especially for backpackers. If you need, um, if you've been backpacking Southeast Asia for a while and you, you know, need your clothes washed, um, they will do that for you. I will, um, I told you a little bit about Loop Abroad. Um, they do programs all over the, the world. In, and I think they just started one in Florida in the U.S. if, if um, working with um, Sea Life there as well. Um, I've done two programs with them and I absolutely love them. If you wanted to look, if you're a college student or a veterinary student, um, I highly encourage you to look into them for your study abroad programs um, or study abroad internships during your breaks. You can actually get, they are not sponsoring this, by the way. I just really like them. You can get $100 off of your admission um, using me as a reference. Um, so you can use my name, Stacia Mintner. That's S-T-A-C-I-A-M-I-N-T-N-E-R as your reference to get $100 off um, because I am an alum. So tell them that I sent you and you'll get a little money off. So I wanted to end this with ways that you can support ENP. Um, so you can sponsor a dog or elephant on their website. You can also buy locally sourced coffee from them if you wanted something back for the money that you're giving or buy them something from a wish list that they have posted. However, I do want to note donations go to Save the Elephant Foundation and the Serengeti Foundation who are partnered with ENP. So ENP does not directly accept those donations um, online. So it goes to those two foundations and the money is kind of split up between ENP and their sister parks um, throughout Thailand and Cambodia and Southeast Asia. The, their website also has a cute, what they call an Ella shop, which is really cute. And the prices are all listed in Thai bot. Um, so that is something to keep in mind. Thai bot is their local currency. And I don't know the conversion rate off the top of my head to USD, but it the price will be in bot and it looks like an insane amount of money, but conversion rates, it's not usually a whole lot. And that includes their costs for the volunteer programs. So um, you do have to pay for the volunteer programs as you normally do. This pays for your housing, this pays for your food, and this helps the, the park keep running. Um, so the last I heard, it was about $400 a week, which is really not bad um, for the volunteer program, but it may have changed um, since I last read that. So here are some final tips for visiting ENP. This is just for the Elephant Nature Park. This does not include their sister parks or their other programs. They, those other parks and other programs may require some other things. So I encourage you, if you wanted to do those other ones, um, to look on their website. But for ENP, um, you usually need to stay overnight in Chiang Mai before you come in. The van comes to pick you up, I think, around 8 a.m. from their um, Chiang Mai office. So if you are flying into Chiang Mai um, directly and want to directly go to ENP, you do usually need to stay overnight. Same thing if you are coming from, you know, a different city if you've been in, in Thailand or Asia for a while. Um, it is highly recommended to get travel insurance. Um, I do recommend World Nomads, but they have some insurance included in in your fee but if you know you get seriously injured or if you get really sick um, I do highly recommend having that travel insurance just in case you need to pay part of the balance in cash upon arrival cards are not accepted at the park um, that includes for snacks that includes you know their their coffee and their souvenirs and things like that so and this goes for a lot of Thailand as well I found they generally don't accept cards um, especially western cards so bring a lot of cash with you um you can either pay it in us they accept us dollars and thai bot so um, if you're not from the us you will need to um, convert i highly recommend you to convert anyway because it makes your life a lot easier in thailand if you have thai bot rather than us dollars so um some vaccines are recommended or required um to either enter Thailand or to come back home from Thailand, depending on your country. So check out the CDC website for that. At ENP, bedding is supplied. So, you're, you know, 
pillows, blankets, mosquito net, all of that good stuff is supplied, but you do need to bring your own towel and toiletries. So they don't provide you towels and they don't provide you, um, you know, little shampoos and conditioners that you would find in hotels and things. All fitness levels are welcome. So if you're not a particularly um, quote unquote fit person, they will still definitely love your participation and your help and they will accommodate your fitness levels. So you will never be forced to try to do something that you're not comfortable doing there. Um, However, the park is not very handicap accessible. From what I remember, you do have to walk across some fairly uneven ground pretty frequently. Um, So if you are someone in a wheelchair or someone who uses something like crutches or a walker or anything else to get around, um, this may not be the best place for you and if you are planning to volunteer for the full week that always starts on a Monday so just keep that in mind while you're planning your trip. So last week I ended by giving you some fun facts about Asian elephants. I didn't want to do that twice in a row so um, here are some fun facts about visiting Chiang Mai outside of ENP. Chiang Mai is Thailand's second largest city um, behind Bangkok, which is in southern Thailand. The city center is surrounded by a walled moat known as the Old City. And this moat, um, this wall is ancient. And it's really, really, really cool to see. I do believe it's also an an, um, UNESCO heritage site. The population of the city is 1.5 million. 80% of locals were born there. So um, there's a lot of local culture and history there. Um, A lot of the people, you know, will continue working in in family-owned restaurants and shops. um, And a lot of the people just, you know, stay there. It's a very beautiful city. Um, Chiang Mai also receives 2 million foreign visitors a year on average. Over 20,000 expats live there. So these are, um, expat stands for like, in the U.S., we call them expatriates. I don't know if that's what it actually stands for, um, but this is basically uh, people who uh, have moved to Chiang Mai who are not from Thailand, are not Thai citizens, um, but they have an apartment, have you know, are are living there fairly permanently, um, using visas and things like that. Um, Chiang Mai means new city in Thai. The city alone has over 300 Buddhist temples. So if visiting temples is your thing, um, which it's it's definitely one of mine, they're absolutely stunning. Um, this is a really great city to do that. October to February is the best time to visit weather-wise. It is the driest and has some cooler temperatures because Thailand can get extremely hot in the summer times, uh, but is often the busiest because of the weather, because it's like the best time to visit. The city was established in the 13th century, making it over 700 years old. And there's over 50 elephant sanctuaries in Chiang Mai. Not all of these are ethical, as you can imagine, but there are over 50. So it is really, really important to dig deep and try to find one like ENP that um, you can feel good about visiting. Chiang Mai is also home to 10 different indigenous hill tribes, which is really cool. And finally, it's full of traditional markets, including the famous Night Bazaar, which I have been to, and it was absolutely huge. One of the largest like night markets I've ever been to, um, or outdoor markets I've ever been to, and it was kind of crazy. It was really crowded, but it was it was a lot of fun. So if night markets and and like outdoor traditional like markets are your thing, also recommend Chiang Mai. It was a lot of fun. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, And I will see you in two weeks. And then we will do a wildlife warrior highlight. And we will go more in depth about Lek, who I briefly talked about, the founder of ENP. Sources for today's show can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening.